The conversations on this podcast are between the host and the guest and are not directed at any member of the general public. The information is for your listening pleasure, but is not offering you any personal advice. If you have heard something that you feel may be relevant to yourself, please visit your medical practitioner or mental health provider. A quick introduction for those of you who haven't listened to the podcast before. I'm Daniel, and each week I bring you a conversation with someone who I think is inspirational or brings something inspiring to the podcast. It's about things that change or could change our lives, and that's why I called it Life Changes You. Listen to the range of topics around psychology, mental health, and inspiration, and find out how life changes you. Hello and welcome back to Life Changes You. I'm Daniel and I've had a few months off, a few personal things going on around me, so I needed to take a break. But I'm really excited about this season five and the first, I'm not sure how many it will be yet, but I'm going to start with inspirational and strong women. And my first guest is really inspiring and I started following her because I loved what she was doing, her point of view, her difference from everybody else. And I think she's a strong woman for doing what she's doing. And it's Mel from Men Against Mountains. And you'll find her on Instagram. But we'll talk more about that in a minute. How are you, Mel? Hi, I'm good, thank you. And whereabouts in the UK are you? I am based in Peterborough, which is, well, a little village outside Peterborough, but near Cambridge. It's not so far from Cambridge. Okay. Look, I mean, I grew up there, but I can't remember... Anywhere past London. <laughs> yeah, we're far from London, 45 minutes on the on the fast train. So not, oh, not that's too good. Bad. So do you want to give me a little bit of a background of what Men Against Mountains is? I know it's Men Against Mountains something else, but I forgot what the ending was. Uh, the movement. I, I changed that recently. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's Men Against Mountains. It, it'll, it'll be the only page that comes up when you type that in anyway. But yeah, Men Against Mountains, the movement, because it's becoming a bit of a movement in the last sort of year as the page has grown. It's a community-based page and I started it literally just to put out my own struggles after receiving loads of messages, after I'd sort of put that on my personal account. And I was getting messages off men saying they didn't feel like they had an outlet where they could talk about how they felt. So it was Men Against Mountain was just, just created just to put maybe quotes out, a little bit of a feel behind it. And it's really changed over the last couple of years. So it's become like a like-minded community of men. So literally it's by, we go live most Sundays. Is that the Sunday summit sessions? Yeah, Sunday summit sessions. So we have a man on every week that's not necessarily a mental health advocate, just a guy, an ordinary guy wanting to share his story to the ordinary man. And it's sharing lived experiences of their mental health journey and to help others really to help others feel not alone i know it's a bit cliche that that sort of it's okay not to be okay but it's literally is that you know it just shows camaraderie and and builds like-minded connections through the page and i i think with oh god i can't even put a number to how many relationships were built through the page of men linking up with other men going through similar experiences and they talk and they've become friends lots of meetups lots of pay other pages engaging with other pages so yeah i'm really proud of it i didn't have any idea it was going to be how it is now though so when i started it 
Yeah, well, look, I mean, as I said just before, I watched your page for ages before I connected with you because I loved some of the topics you were talking about. I watched a couple of your, what was it called, Sunday summits on replay because obviously you're doing them while I'm asleep here in Australia. Um, But I found some of those guys really interesting. And yeah, you say that they're not professionals. It's their own experience. But that's what I really liked because they were open and vulnerable about what they were talking about. And I think that at the moment, with the way these guys talk and they're vulnerable, it opens it up for anyone else who's watching to realize that they can be open and vulnerable and also listen. That's what I found on lives. When I do lives, a lot of people take that away and go, oh, actually, Daniel, I found this out about myself or I hadn't thought about doing that. And that's what your summits do. And I've connected with a few of the guys on uh, your page just to talk to them and see what their take was on being with you what brought them to you and and, you know they do say you know i didn't have anyone else to talk to and you know their mates might be a little bit more i I don't know masculine and they feel like they can't open up to them so you've given a real good opportunity for men to just be able to come on drop comments about what you're talking about or what your quotes are and then have feedback from other people and yourself so it's brilliant and i think you're doing such an amazing thing yeah, thank you. I think I wanted to stay clear of when I joined sort of the community, mental health community myself, I was seeing the same guests on podcasts, on lives and stuff. And it was all not saying it's a bit clicky, but it seemed to be, oh, these people have got huge accounts. They're speaking about their mental health. But I just wanted to stay clear of that and to get a guy that's never actually spoken about their mental health openly to anybody to come on live with me says everything about the community there's a lot of trust and loyalty there and you know i've built that up over time so to me it's quite precious it's it's something that's not really being done anywhere else you know i do have mental health advocates on and i do have men that have been necessarily where i was and started pages because they wanted to give back and i think part of the healing journey which I, I think you'll resonate with, is about giving back. Yes. It really is so important and, and it it's humbles you and it keeps you on, you know, it keeps you where you were, if that makes sense. And I don't want to mean that we don't move on. It, it means that you stay realising that life can be tough and we must remember life is tough and there's people struggling all over the world. And to me... I don't ever get complacent with my healing. We yeah. have to keep pushing. We have to keep, you know, getting our toolkit in place and, and yeah. doing what's right for us and look after ourselves. And um, I think it's really important to remember where you came from. And look, I think what I liked as well is that, um, you know, I guess if, uh, look, and there are men's groups out there that talk to men, yeah. but, uh, but I find with you being like the chair, the person in charge, the person who facilitates is a better word, you know, it's easier for men to come forward and speak to a woman about their feelings than to speak to a man. Yeah, so I think it's really important what you're doing because you facilitate something where men can come and they can talk. And I've seen there's different ages, different reasons why they're there. Yeah. And if we look at statistics around the world, you know, men's mental health, men's suicide have all increased and yet I feel that there's not really anyone around that men can just go to and speak to openly because it's, it's, you're not masculine enough. Why do you need to talk about your feelings? But what you do is 
look, I think we talked a little while ago and I said to you, I feel we're in a generation of a lot of men being put down because uh, we're seen as being superior. And there will be men out there who feel that they're superior. I feel that I'm on the same level as everybody else. And I've never looked at people of different races, different gender, uh, different sexual orientation as any different to me. But I don't know, maybe there's not a lot of men there. Maybe we're a small minority. Maybe we're growing bigger. But you help men to be able to get over that hurdle. Yeah, I, yeah, I do. And I think that I give it men's mental health the nurturing woman's touch, <laughs> which I think is needed. But it's really strange because a lot of therapists are women. And I get messages off a lot of guys saying they wish they had a therapist that was, was a guy. Which yeah. is strange because they're in my space. So I think I give people that men that are in the space, and there's obviously some women that follow the page as well. Um, I get, I think I give them that bit of confidence to be able to speak out where in this safe space, and then that gives them the confidence to start speaking to their friends and family. And obviously, I'm all for that. I think men need to support men. We need that, you know, that camaraderie back and that tribal edge back. You know, and that's why these men's circles that are popping up now are going back to basics, going back to that. So it's not taking away the masculinity, it's only adding to it. And I think that's what a lot of men are really afraid of, Daniel. I think they're scared of their masculinity be taken away if they open up and become a little bit vulnerable. But to me, that adds to masculinity. It doesn't take that away. If we can nurture, like, the Google specification as such, you know, it's all about strength. But actually, there's nothing stronger than actually being on your own and dealing with your emotions for years and years and years. And I get, I have men that have never spoken about this for like 30, 40 years in my generation. And they've kept things hidden for like their whole childhood, right up through their teens, adulthood. They've got married and they're still struggling because they've never spoken about it. And to me, that is a, a huge strength to, to be able to do that. But when they start letting go, it opens up so much for them. So I think, it, you know, men's mental health, we need to get away from the fluff. We need to get away from this hearts to everybody type posts, you know, of sending hearts to everyone that's struggling, that sort of thing. We need to get to back to the real talk. And I think that's what the lives do. They open up that vulnerability. You know, these are real life stories they're not a, a quote that's been shared a million times on instagram yeah um you know it's real it's raw and and yeah and the thing is when a guy does speak out that generates so much conversation when i usually whenever i do live i get 40 50 messages after it you know and, and to me that's huge that's more important than the likes oh yeah and look what you're doing is creating these new conversations that people probably haven't thought about having or have, haven't thought about themselves in that situation. And when they learn a little bit more, then they will actually go back to their group of friends and hopefully yeah. talk about what's happened to them or what they've found. And that will create a wave of men talking yeah. more than just saying, well, just go out and ask your mate if he's okay. Because it was, yeah. are you okay? Now it's, are you okay? Are you really okay? And, you know, yeah. if, if we keep going that way, it's going to be such a long sentence and, you know, men are just going to go, yeah, I'm fine, because they might not want to talk to their friend either. But seeing someone like you on Instagram, they're in the privacy of their own room, their own home. They can just tune in, listen to what's going on and then go away and have a think about it. 
And that's yeah. what does create change. When you hear something different or feel something different or connect with someone different to your own group, that's what's so good about Instagram and the internet and podcasts is we're now getting all these little niche groups that are coming up which have never been there because they're not mainstream. You know, you would never see half the stuff that you talk about or I talk about on TV because, oh, we won't get the ratings. It's not about the ratings. It's about helping the people who can't help themselves or if they can help themselves, giving them a nudge to get there. Yeah, abs- absolutely. And it, it sometimes just all someone needs. And yeah, I, I get what you were saying with the, you know, in a friend set or peer group, there's going to be probably two or three of that peer group that's struggling with something. We need to get away from dehumanizing men and, and that stigma of weakness and stuff like that. And I think within a, a say, a group set of friends, there is still that stigmas and a lot of it's self stigma. And we need to get away from men actually feeling like themselves. If they open up, they're going to be found as weak or they'll be looked on upon differently with their friends or with their partners or be the weakest link. And it's not, I think when one person has the, the bravery to open up within a group that has that ripple effect, but it's hard to do. It's hard mm. to know how to do it. And I think yeah. men, especially of a certain age, haven't had that vocabulary of, of expressing their emotions. They don't know how to do it. I get messages like, I don't know how to start expressing. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to reach out. And I think how we listen is the bit that we need to change as well. You know, Oh, definitely. There's absolutely no point us getting these men to speak out if they're going to be met with someone being on their head down looking at the phone and, you know, not having that, that space. We need to give men that space to be able to do it. And also men think a lot, you know, I did a post the other day, I put out a few questions to some of the community and a lot of them were saying that, you know, everyone's busy. They don't feel like they're, they're given that time to express themselves. You know, one guy was saying, you know, I'm sitting there thinking about my answer and somebody's already butted in yeah, and trying to fix me and I haven't even express how I, I want to feel because I'm finding it hard to find the words. Yeah. I pull. I'm still thinking. And men think more than what women think they do. Yeah, you know, they men do. do speak really deeply about stuff. You know, you're thinking all the time. While you're at work, you might not be doing that. Yeah. But, you know, you know, it might be just getting on, cracking on with the day. But when you finish work, that's when everything comes to the surface and you, you get home from work. And that's why a lot of men need 10, 15 minutes when they walk through the door to just fill the day that they've had, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of being mad with what I think, because I probably did it myself to my ex-husband. You know, you know, as soon as he got, you know, I wanted to like him have the kids for 10, you know, while I go off yeah. and, and got on because I had the kids all day. Yeah. But, that to me, you know, I wasn't giving him that space. He'd been at work all day. He needed to absorb that day. And I think maybe that's what we need to change a little bit. Give men the chance to speak. Yeah, look, I, I agree 100%. I picked up a couple of things in there that you were saying. And I do think that with a lot of men, myself included, we are looking for the solution more than the listening part. When something's happening, we're, we're figuring out what the solution is rather than actually really listening. I am a good listener, though. But, you know, we, we think, oh, how, how can I fix that? And I think it's just a male thing. Males think yeah. that they have to find solutions, whereas women want yeah. to talk through an issue. 
And, you know, I only started to change that once I uh, did my studies in, in counseling. And then I started yeah. going, oh, actually, I'm, I'm a solution-focused therapist. That's all I want to do is find the solution where there's all yeah. these other therapies that you can use and different things that you can work on to actually. And, and the first one is mainly active listening. And yeah. I think what you were saying with the guys like sitting in the pub, what I was thinking is it, it's probably most important for that group of people in any group of friends, there's always an alpha male, the one that stands out a bit more. And I guess yeah. it's more important for him to be the one that either listens and responds in a positive way to whatever their friend is saying, yeah. or to be the one that says to the other guys, hey, 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 let's calm this down. You know, what so-and-so is saying is really important. And, you know, we should have a listen and we should support rather than everybody else just jumping in on it. Because you, you could say that, a group of guys in the pub or in a bar, someone could say, oh, look, you know, I've been really worried about money or my wife or something. And one of the others go, hey, what's the problem with your wife? You know, a bit of that banter. And then before you know, yeah. all of them are in on that banter and you've just asked a serious question, which is probably taking you hours or days to come up with the, not guts, the, uh, what's the word? The, uh, yeah. the confidence. Yes, to go and say that. And then you've said mm -hmm. it and you've sort of been shot down. Yeah. I agree. And I think that men get that at home. I think they get that in the workplace. So I think a lot of men, if they think about what environment would be the best place for them to open up with their friends would be something that's more activity led. Like yeah. there's lots of walk and talk groups that men are going on now and they're popping up all over the UK. And these work because men are, there's a shoulder to shoulder rule where they're actually walking along shoulder to shoulder and you're not confronting someone face to face it's a bit easier yeah yeah, yeah. To, to actually express how you feel because they're sight they're, they're next to you not in front of you and if men can get out of that bantery social activities because we all know that you know alcohol is not great for your mental health anyway but i understand that a lot of guys enjoy their pints and like to have a drink and be in that so but they're not necessarily going to open up in that environment um, they might slur something later on in the evening when they're that half cut, but then everyone else is half cut. So yeah. I think if men can have activity-led situations as such where they're going out, they're, they're meeting for a walk or they're meeting up to go and hike up Scarfell Pike in the UK or the Lake District and they all arrange to meet and then they might have the pints afterwards when they get yeah. back down, they're more likely to open up because they're being active, they're, they're working. It's like, you know, having a game of football all together, that camaraderie, that sort of tribal thing, again, it's been being part of something. Yeah. And a lot of men that I speak to want to feel part of something. And they feel like they're not feeling part of something when they're all in the pub. They feel part of something when they're doing something. Yeah. 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 Things that are different, that I, I guess is, yeah, well, then you've got the camaraderie, haven't you? And it would be easier yeah. to talk and open up when you're doing something. I like the idea of going for a walk and talking shoulder to shoulder. A friend in the UK who's a psychotherapist, he said to me that during COVID, he obviously couldn't have people in, so he had to do yeah. it online. But then he came up with the idea of, well, why don't I go yeah. for a walk with him? And he said the only bad thing about that was at the end of the day, he'd walk six hours because he'd seen all these different clients. <laughs> he was exhausted. That's happened. Yeah, but, you know, it was great that he thought outside the box and got these people talking and, I think we're coming into a new era where men have got the possibility to speak up. 
and we aren't so masculine in the way that you have to hold your feelings, don't cry, that sort of thing. But I think we're still quite a way off from everybody accepting that. You know, like we've we've accepted a lot of social changes over the last, say, five years, but I think they've changed because the rest of society has pushed for it. And I think if there was more of a push for let's really get men talking. I mean, I see the adverts when I watch commercial TV and I think, that's not going to get anyone to talk, you know? Yeah, it's good good that you're doing it, but are you doing it because you feel like you need to do it, not because you really want to get men to talk? I mean, look, the other thing we have to look at is why you're so important is because at the moment, the uh, waiting lists in the UK, especially for mental health, even to see, I think it's a mental health nurse, are months and months and months. Yeah. And over here, if, if you can afford... Look, we get paid a rebate of $80 to go to a psychologist. But that, you know, when the $80 came out, it was 120 to see a, a psychologist. So it's $40 out of your pocket. Now it's 212 yep. So the government haven't kept up. And if you're a family with a, even one child and you're trying yep. to pay your mortgage and all your bills and you have got uh, mental health issues, you can't go and see a psychologist because that extra $100 a week or a fortnight, you need that money. You know, and even the waiting lists for 14 to 25 year olds, unless you have something where you're threatening serious harm, you're not going to get in because anxiety and depression aren't classed as major things that you need to see someone about. So then you have to wait six months to a year. How do we get around that? You know, I mean, our things are great because we're getting people to listen, talk, have new ideas. But uh, look, it's an age old question. It's so frustrating because I've been I've worked, waited six months for therapy myself, but I've waited six weeks for therapy. So it's a huge gap from one one to the other. And I think all these mental health pages and groups that are popping up, they are now the backbone. And I think that you know we're supporting that space, if that makes sense. So the space in between of of a man actually picking up that phone, which is a huge thing to pick up the phone to the doctors and say, I'm struggling, I need some help, what do I do? And that wait to go and see a therapist in the UK is a long time right now. As you said, unless you are called in from a suicide attempt, yeah, there's a long wait and it shouldn't have to get to that. The early intervention is always going to be key here. A guy that's speaking on where they are at, when it happens is really key so if men are are not speaking on it um and wait and wait and wait wait and you know like i said at the beginning 30 odd years some men have held things in we, we need that to change we need men to openly speak up sooner yeah but then they have that weight and that's why these amazing charities and talk groups walking talk groups and you know like yourself you know we are now the backbone of support for these men and women awaiting therapy yeah and in it's it's crucial it, it's life-changing i know that i've saved quite a lot of men's lives because i i speak to them on a daily basis and i send them voice notes as well so they're hearing my voice and i've had calls in the middle of the night and you know to me obviously i have to put my boundaries up with the page but i have stopped men going that step further yeah and I'm not qualified. I, I'm just a, an ordinary person that's gone through horrendous things them, themselves to understand, hopefully, how they're feeling at that time. And I think that's sometimes 
just having that understanding is what men need and women need. But then it gets frustrating, obviously, if you're waiting, 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 waiting for therapy. Men need more support. Women need more support in that time. We are losing people within that period, I would say, because they're waiting for therapy. Well, as you just said, when someone has, male or female, has said, okay, I need to see a therapist, and they've made that appointment and seen their doctor, or they've uh, rung up a psychologist and said, I want to come and see you, and they're either faced with a huge bill or a huge waiting list. Sometimes by the time they get to that appointment, they've got over, not got over, but they've just gone, look, I just have to deal with this myself or I have to find another way. And especially with the 14 to 25-year-olds, if we could get in there really early and sort those issues out, then we have got people who are going to be able to continue for the rest of their life with probably not many mental health issues. Because when you're young, if you can get that sorted earlier, it might need ongoing treatment, but then you're fixing them up for success. Whereas if they're they're 14 and by the time they see someone, they're 19, you know, they could have an anger issue that has got bigger and bigger and bigger because no one's been there to listen to them. And especially in the case of men, you know, a lot of men do have anger issues and it's not that they're an angry person. It's either how they've been brought up, it's what their families have done, what's happened to them when they first uh, left school, it might be their sexuality. All these things come into play And if they're sorted out earlier, then these guys go, wow, actually, I'm not as angry as I thought I was. But after five years of waiting or not being able to get help, then your anger is at a point where other things start to happen. And if we can stop those things earlier, we don't have a need for all the services we've got as men get older. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, they say that that age of 14 to 20 is crucial, really is crucial um, I know that personally myself, my daughter went through a lot of social anxiety coming out of lockdown. She started having really bad panic attacks going back to school. And her school were fantastic. They had a mental health counsellor within the school. Good. And I think if most surgeries, um, like doctor surgeries, had a mental health you know, nurse or practitioner just yep. solely for mental health and, and say that it takes the emphasis off the, the doctor's you know, it, it would make a huge difference. I know that she personally got a lot out of that going every, every week to go and see a counsellor at school about her social anxiety. If every school has that, fantastic. It, it could really help, you know, especially, I think boys, you know, my son's 20 soon and he really talks openly with his friends. Yeah. So I think that age group are more open to, to expressing themselves. But if something bad, really bad's happened to them, then they need going to need that next. I don't know what it's like it, it, where you, you are, but I can ring up the doctors and get antidepressants like like that here. Yeah, and I think we need to educate our young to find their mental health toolkit when they're younger, so they can adapt through their lives with that. You know, exercise. All the, I mean, I, I think some schools are even starting their day off with with exercise, 15 minutes of stretching before they go into assembly and start their lessons. And they do that again before they have a calm, especially the younger ones. Um, They have a calm 10 minutes after coming in from their lunch break where they've been running around like absolute loonies. And then they need that 10 minutes just to bring it all back in. And they have like these massages. And I think that it really helps the children to calm down to then restart to refocus on the rest of their day. 
Yeah. And it's really good education on that. Wellness is so important. We we put so much emphasis on our children to to learn maths and English and all these subjects. You know, not all kids are academic, are they? No. Some kids exceed in sports or art. And I think that's what we need to take the emphasis off school. We need to educate children on wellness as well. And I think it is slowly changing. So hopefully they've got that those those tools in place they've got their little tool belt where they've got oh right I enjoy running that makes me feel good when I express myself when I write that makes me feel good and yeah. all, you know for example and I think that will really help as they go into adult adult well, look I I think um we're sort of in uh, let's say we're in a, a broad age group you and I um, because I don't know how old you are and I don't want to say how old I am in case you go oh no I'm not that old <laughs> I'm 50, I'm 52. Oh, well, I'm 52. There you go. Okay, the same. Yeah. So, look, I think when I was growing up, and look, this is a thing I've spoken about on the podcast before, because I grew up in England till I was 11, and I had a teacher who told all of us, all the boys, that we would never amount to anything. And do you know what? The only time I healed that was when I was 40 and I started doing my diploma in counselling. And the tutor I had said to me, you've got a mental block about learning. And I go, oh, yeah. I don't know what it is. And after a little conversation, I went, well, I had this teacher called Mrs. Trotter, and she always told us we'd never be any good, never smiled at us, anything like that. And I've held on to that. And she goes, right, well, let's yeah. change it. And after she changed it, the diploma was so easy. But before yeah. that, it was like, oh, I can't learn. I don't know what I'm doing. What's wrong with me? Why am I stupid? But it was from a learnt thing. And since I've yeah. caught up with a friend in England who said that he had a fear of his hair used to stick up and she used to call him names. And he said, I got paranoid about my looks and going out. And another person in the class, he got bulimia because she always told him he was too mm. fat. Now, if you've got that sort of childhood that you grow up in and you carry that through till I was 40, so that's what, yeah. uh, that 29 years, you know, that's a long time to carry something feeling that you're not good enough yeah. and that you can't learn that's and you're good. stupid. Um, look, I was lucky enough to break that and change that. But I think during our generation, you know, I mean, me growing up 15, 16, 17, I don't think many of my friends around that time, male friends, spoke very openly about their feelings. But we were lucky enough. We had a mixed group of girls and guys. So yeah. there was girls to talk to. There was guys to talk to. And actually, a couple of those friends from that time I'm still friends with now. And we're very open and, you know, talk about everything. But I think nowadays kids are learning to be more open and even the schooling system I, I know england probably wouldn't be what i had which was back yeah. then you could have the slipper the ruler um detention yeah. all those yeah <laughs> so you know kids have got it a little bit easier so you don't have that stress of am i going to get the ruler thrown at me or my hand slapped not that it happened to me, but, you know, there was still always that fear. You had to be good because otherwise that was what was coming. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And the thing is, when looking at research, boys learn differently to girls. Yeah. And girls are normally at, at that sort of age where they go into secondary school. Girls are usually emotionally a bit more intelligent, but they're also academically more intelligent, as in because they the school system works for girls. It doesn't work for boys. So boys tend they're they're at a different age when the girls are being taught in the same class, and that's why the chalkboards were thrown up in our generation because the boys were 
looking out the window. They what their concentration levels were there. So we need to adapt our teaching techniques for boys because boys will will fall behind. Yeah. Boys are way behind girls in the education system. And, you know, being spoken to like that back in the day, we had it as well. And I just think the teachers aren't like that now. But all it takes is that one negative comment. I mean, it's like I remember my daughter used to have a bit of time off school because she suffered with migraines. And in assembly, the kids that had 100% attendance were the ones that were congratulated and had a lot of lovely certificate at the end of term yeah. because they had 100% attendance. Well, that's just showing children that they're not, you know, if you're poorly or you have a physical or a mental health condition and you have to have time out, that you're below those people that had that 100% attendance. And that's not right. No. That's not. That's to celebrate that. You know, it's not the child's fault that they've got something that they have to go to hospital appointments for. <laughs> but do you know why that came in in the UK? Uh, and look, this is a bizarre thing that I know, yeah. but it was because truancy was so high in the UK that they brought that thing in so that yeah. people who went every day, parents would be, oh, you're there. But it right, doesn't me. count for anything else. Like you're saying, mental yeah. health, yeah. illnesses, um, you might have to stay home and look after a brother or something. I mean, yeah, I know absolutely. they're things you're not supposed to be doing, but those are things that happen in families. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. And, and they children grow up to the school system already not feeling good enough, you know, because they're not. And, and you know, the children that always got picked for the school plays were always the high achievers, the natural high achievers, not the children that struggled. And it, it's, you know, we need to think where where are these self-esteem issues coming from, the self-worth starts at school. That's brilliant what you just said because it is. Those ones that are the high achievers or the ones that are always like, I guess, yeah. the, not the teacher's pet but the one that the teacher likes, right. the ones who aren't there don't get those opportunities and then they feel like, well, what's wrong with me? What have I done wrong? I've only been homesick for three days because I've got this wrong with me or that wrong with me. But then your your self-esteem does go down because all of a sudden now you're not the same as these other people. Yeah, yeah, it starts then. It's like, and it can obviously start in home if you're not fortunate to have supportive parents. And you know, some of the 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 men that I've spoken to, some of their upbringings were horrendous. You know, heartbreakingly horrendous, and that they're still here now, fighting that time in their life when they were young. Yeah. And honestly, I was saying it still humbles me when I speak to them. But you know, there's men dealing with some horrific things. And look, I mean, I don't, well, I do. I usually name drop Jamie Usher, the mind trader, into podcasts because I think he's yeah, fantastic. But he did an episode, and I'm pretty sure it's episode 10 of his podcast, the mind trader. And he talked about losing his eyesight. Uh, he's only got 5% left, but also his upbringing and the step uh, fathers he had and how his mum was. And if anyone wants to go and listen to that, it is absolutely brilliant. It's really raw. And I've spoken to Jamie because he lives here in Australia. We catch up for dinner and lunch and stuff. And we've talked about it. And, you know, I've said to him, you know, that was the first podcast episode I listened to that actually made me cry because I was so upset with how your life had started out. And I know it's a completely different now. Uh, his life is completely different. But it really moved me. And he was just so open and honest about how his childhood had yeah. been. So if anyone wants to listen to that, um, not rather than mine, but <laughs> I think that would resonate with a lot of lot of men. Definitely, you know, they're still fighting those things, and they're working hard on that day. 
you know, and that I have, yeah. I have so much admiration for, for them. I was going to drop in before when we were talking about kids at school and men. I mean, we know that men's brains don't fully develop till about 23, 24, 25, and they have lack of consequence. And that's why a lot of younger men, you know, get into fights and bad fights and things like that because they don't un- not they don't understand the consequence. It doesn't come into their head because they're just doing what they need to do at that yeah. time. So, you know, if we really need to work on how we look at men and how we get them to open up and how feelings are so important to talk about because you might talk to one mate and get shut down, talk to another mate because there will be a mate out there that will go, actually, I've had the same experience or a similar experience or I feel a bit like this or should we sit down and talk because I've got a few issues and I didn't know you'd be someone I could talk to. And when we do that, we'll find someone who will be compassionate and they might not have any issues. You know, They might go, look, there's nothing wrong with me, but I really want to hear what's happening for you and I'll support you. And that might just be the opening that stops you doing suicide or, you know, getting angry or, you know, there's so many reasons to just open up and talk. And the more people that talk like we're talking now, the more people hear about it and pass the information on to people and then they start opening up. I, t- I totally agree. Men are more, definitely more impulsive that way with, with expressing their anger. Yeah. And obviously more men are t- tend to sort of self-sabotage than women do. You know, don't get me wrong, I've done it myself where I, I've, you know, I've been hurt. I'm hurting, so I go and hurt myself even more. Men will do that. You know that. You know, they have a yeah. bad relationship or a breakup. They'll go and hit the drink, and they'll hurt themselves that much more because it's it's, it's apparently takes the pain away, but it doesn't. It adds to it. It adds to the pain yeah. and that vicious circle. I mean, I'm saying I'm not saying it's just men. Women do it too, but it it is a way of them challenging how they feel. Where if they spoke about it at the time, hopefully it would just take make it a little bit lighter. Doesn't mean they're not going to hit the drink at the same time, but at least they've got a little bit of it out. And I think that's where we need to sort of nurture these men. That there is there are people that will listen. There's always somebody that will listen. Yeah, and your page, Men Against Mountains, is a brilliant one for people to go and find, even if they come and just have a look and. Uh, you know, don't even interact, but just yeah. have a look at what things you've got going on there. there. There's a wealth of information there and positive updates, which, you know, might be something that gets you through the day. If you're feeling a bit shit, you might go, oh, actually, let's just have a look at that. And you might go, oh, actually, that was quite positive. Or, well, actually, I need to think about this or talk about that. So well done to you, oh, Mel. It's, you. it's really good. Um, You know, you should be really proud that you've started this community that is just flourishing and it's helping men to... Because these men that come to you will pass on information to others, their sons, their cousins, you know, and that's all we need is little starts. And you're creating quite a big start now. Thank you. Yeah, so I think leading by example is is the way to go. And also, I think when you get to a certain stage, when we give start giving back, these men are then ready to give back. So they then want to help other people. And it has that lovely ripple effect, hopefully, that it will just keep going and going and then... You know that they'll teach their sons that they won't want their sons to feel the way they did as they grow up, so they'll be more open with them. Um, and I think in the home that's really important. Oh, it definitely is. I mean, look, my dad was fantastic, and he was there whenever I needed to talk. He wasn't much of a cuddler, but as he got older, you know, I'd give him a cuddle and a kiss and say goodbye when I was leaving, and he'd go, "Oh, what are you doing?" And I go, "Look, I just love you." Um, and, and I think you know that generation 
we're more like that. We're in the new generation where we're more open and honest, and then the next generation will be a lot more open and ready to speak about their feelings. Yeah, let's hope so. Hey, <laughs> we'll keep on chipping away. It's been fantastic talking to you. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, see, Mel is an inspiring and strong woman. She's uh, out there helping men and, ha- well, helping men to talk, helping men to open up, and that's a fantastic thing in my book. So thank you, Mel. It was absolutely brilliant. Oh, thank you. No, thank you for the time today. appreciate it. Oh, no, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that was another episode of Life Changes You. If you liked it, please share it with your friends and share on social media and subscribe. Remember, you can follow us on Instagram and watch live conversations on Wednesdays and get daily updates. You can also follow the YouTube channel and watch live conversations and listen to the podcast from there. Keep sending in your emails and messages as I love reading them and interacting with you, and I'll always respond to you. So until next week, take care of yourselves and each other.